This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 320 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by TotalSaddleFit.com and EcoVet Fly Repellent. On today's show, we have Christy Naherniak, who was a scribe for the Pan Am Games just recently, and Jennifer Roth will come on and talk to us about a trainer tip. This is Reese Koffler-Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. With our producer, Glenn is back on with us this week. We're really excited. Hi, guys. I've enjoyed all the pictures, and I can't wait to hear about uh, the games over the weekend. You guys seem to have a lot of fun. We did. We had a big time. You do. Every time you're together, you do. We do. (laughs) I know it was a little toasty. We'll talk about all of that in a minute. But first, before we get started with Pan Ams and dressage talk today, I wanted to take a minute to uh, actually... I sent a letter out over the weekend to our mailing list uh, uh, from me to every all our listeners, and I wanted to play it on the show, on all the shows this week. So I'd like to play it at the beginning of the show right now so for all of your listeners to hear, and then uh, we'll chat about it for a second after. So let's take a listen. Hi, everybody. Glenn the Geek here. I just wanted to share an open letter that I wrote to our listeners that was emailed out over the weekend, and I wanted to make sure I read it on all the shows this week as well. And this is what it says. Good morning, loyal listeners. I apologize for the length of this email. I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for your support over the last seven years. In August, the Horse Radio Network will be entering its eighth year. We have come a long way from 12 downloads after the first three months to over 7 million in 2014. It's all thanks to you, our loyal listeners and auditors. With your help listening to the shows and supporting the sponsors, we have been able to make the Horse Radio Network one of the top podcast networks in the world. We have done that in a relatively small niche market, but a dedicated, addicted market. It is the love of the horse that brings us together into one great big equine family. And with social media, I think that family is even growing closer and closer all the time. One of the missions of the Horse Radio Network was to help cross the discipline and breed divide and to unite the horse world. We hope to open people's eyes and maybe get them to try new things, and we know many of you have. We have more work to do in this area, but we are chipping away at it and will continue. We have been blessed with the best hosts for the shows over the years. They do the shows because they love being with you every week, certainly not for the money. I could not be more appreciative of their efforts and their dedication to their shows. Let's take a look at some of the numbers that you, the hosts, and the sponsors have helped create. 4,176 episodes we've created, which puts us as one of the probably top 10 largest podcasting networks in the world. 130,000 listeners in 92 countries, over 7 million downloads in 2014 alone. We've interviewed over 6,000 guests, had over five, or 600 product reviews, and hundreds of giveaways. Finally, thank you to our fantastic sponsors who have made all this possible over the years. We always say we couldn't do this without our sponsors, and that is true. We have to test and approve all products we endorse, and we bring you only things that we like and use. You can trust when we talk about a product or run a commercial that we believe in that product or it would not be on the air. Thank you for supporting these companies. 
I'm raising my glass now with whatever adult or non-adult beverage you have. Here is to another seven wonderful years together. Now go ride your horse. Well, guys, I want to thank you. I know we talked in, I talked in the letter about all the numbers and everything, and I sent you some of the responses that we got over the weekend. I have probably had about 250 emails from listeners. Thank you to everybody who took time to write and say very nice things. We really appreciate that. And, you know, I have to congratulate you, too. I gave a talk uh, well, two nights ago in Tampa at the Florida Podcasters Association, and we were going over a lot of different things about podcasting because we truly do have one of the largest podcasting networks in the world in all areas. And nice. and the Dressage That's Radio so cool. Show came up and everybody was asking what that was. And I told them how you guys really have doubled the audience in the time since you took it over. And I explained why that is, why I think that you have done that. Uh, of course, first was your electric personalities. You know, that was, <laughs> that was, that was first. Oh, my God. <laughs> But uh, we talked about that. And, you know, it just putting this all together for this talk I did really made me think about the listeners and put the numbers together and the fact that we're coming up on our anniversary. And that's why I did the letter. But I wanted to thank you guys for, you know, as I said in the letter, you certainly don't do it for the money. You do it because you love the sport and you love the listeners and uh, you like, you know, representing the sport. And I appreciate that. So thank you very Aww. much. Oh, thanks. Oh, I know. We got one yeah. letter. I really, I, I just really, I, I almost teared up a little. Like it was really yeah. sweet. And really, Philip and I can say the same. Glenn, we're so lucky to have you as you've been one of my only bosses ever in my career. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, this is awesome. I like bosses like Glenn. They're but not all no, like me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, Truly, <laughs> it's just been, it's been really, I never thought that, I mean, when you asked me over three years ago now to come on the show, I never would have thought. You know, I'm so glad that Reese can't tell time because she said three months and it's been three years and she yeah. still hasn't figured it out. So know, I'm really been, glad that you can't tell going. time. It feels like three months, to be honest. It's, really. Been, really, it's been really fun. And I, I also really enjoyed the letters that we were getting and, and people's positivity and the encouragement because uh, for sure, Reese and I are, are not professional radio i've never done any you know i mean sure for sure if you've listened to the first few episodes of us you would you <laughs> you would know we, we, do, we don't uh we don't do this professionally and and it, i was the same way you know i said reese all right i'll give it a try you know i'll never say no to, to anything so and here we are like well, I, you know i want you guys to feel good about something else too and, and we have not talked about this uh behind the scenes and uh -oh. that is that most i'm learning now going to these podcast meetings which i've been ignoring for six years and finally getting back to and i'm going to texas to the national one in two weeks oh wow well most podcasters are very happy to get two or three hundred unique listeners to their show every episode you guys average 16 to eighteen thousand in the little sport of dressage. So, yes, go yeah. dressage. You know, so you. think about that. I mean, I they are so shocked by the numbers we get. Now we've been doing this a long time, you know, and some of them, you know, are just starting and and the other thing is we we cater to a very addicted audience. You know, yeah. you know, whereas if you're people. doing a podcast about improving yourself or whatever, you know, something very general, they're not dealing with a truly addicted audience. They have to fight for every listener, where ours, our listeners are really yearning for information uh, and yearning for content. So I think that makes a big difference. I don't know what you guys think, but I think that makes a big difference. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, and, and I hope that 
that you know everybody understands our passion for the sport, and I think so many other people are passionate about it as well. And and we all get together as a community every week, and and we just talk, you know, we just talk about what we love, right? And and I hope that comes through in in our episodes. That's what I mean. That's what I think about, you know. Yeah, and that's why we do it. Philip and I really, you know, we try. To, to educate. I mean, that's what we do. We educate all day long about the sport of dressage. And, um, you know, this is just another fun outlet for us to be able to, to teach people about, you know, horsemanship and training their horses better. And um, I would have never have thought that it, I would feel this passionately about the show three years ago. But really, it is, it's so much fun. And, and I can say that the we're all The only friends. reason she did this show is I begged. I was on my hands and knees. There was some begging. <laughs> but, I mean, really, truly, it's, it's been so fun. And, and it's so cute when I'm at a warm-up and somebody just hears me talk. And it used to kind of make me nervous. And now I just like, you listen to the radio, don't you? And it's fun to, to do that. Yeah, and, that's awesome when we get to meet our listeners. And, and uh, sometimes I don't get as much time, because it's at horse shows, to chat with people about the show and what they like and what they don't like. But, um, you know, that's... We really that's, do that's, love yeah. the feedback. I mean, the feedback yeah, for us feedback. is why we do it, and and we love, you know, we've gotten, we've helped some people with their horses in relatively remote areas, and you know, that's what we're doing this for, and that's why we're here, and and we do it every, you know, or three nights a week, three nights a month, and uh, but truly, um, and I have to be honest, and I love spending the time with you two, you know, I, it's been so much fun. Um, I knew knew Glenn and Jennifer before, but I know them in a much different way now, and um, you know, Philip and Meredith and Travis and I have all become really good friends outside of the show. And uh, you know, so a lot of a lot of really really amazing things have happened through the show. So Glenn, thank you for all the effort you put in. You really put the effort in. We Philip and I just show up for a couple hours and record the show. But you're the one <laughs> yeah, that actually puts the effort. You know, I got a pretty good job. I talk for a living. So you know, it's <laughs> pretty. There's good. a lot of behind this. I mean, oh yeah, there is a lot of editing. There, we we provide a lot of editing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they asked me uh, one of the questions that came up is how much time do you spend uh, before and after pre and post recording? And I said. The recording for what we do is the easy part. This is the part we truly love to do is sit and talk to each other. You know, if if I had to just do that, I would have the most dream job in the world. But we besides horse rider, yeah, yes, yeah exactly. exactly. Besides what we do, Phil yeah, besides what you guys do. But you know, I would have the gr- greatest job in the world. But we, I, you know, we estimate we figured it out one day. We do about four to five hours pre and post show for every hour we record, and that's selling ads. That's everything. The website work, all everything we do, responding to emails, booking guests. Just everything. So there's a lot of work outside the just sitting here and talking. Uh, you're right about that. You know, one other thing I want to bring up, and then we'll go on. Um, okay. We have about 130,000 listeners total to all the shows in about 90 countries, and and everybody was truly impressed with that number. And they, they were all congratulating me after, and I said, you know what? What I see is opportunity because there is like 9 million horse people in the world. We only have 130,000 of them. Yeah. You know, so we got to keep growing, right? We got a long way to go. (laughs) We got a long way to go. So when we get to a million, we'll really celebrate. Yeah, then we'll really be high fiving for sure. All right, let's get on to dressage. You got it. Sounds great. Well, I guess I guess our first thing is just to you know wrap up our our fun weekend. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So uh, (laughs) all I have to say is Philip and Meredith are really good country dancers. 
I don't know if I need to say any more about that, but no, it was super fun. I, I, uh, Dr. Anna Dunlap and I, uh, headed up, uh, it was great. She was my partner in crime for the weekend. Uh, she had never seen an international event and, uh, I said, Hey, come on, let's go to the Pan Ams. So we headed up, we rode, uh, I rode all the horses on Thursday. So we headed up after, um, and got to Phillips and Friday I got to see Philip ride and yell at him a little. It's so working, fun. I was working a little bit hard. Oh, wait a minute. You got day. to give yeah. Philip a little mini lesson? Yes. Uh, yes. A couple of them. Yeah. A couple. I know. not coming up to Canada without working. <laughs> I know. I could not. Sit. I tried to sit on my butt, but I couldn't. So no, it was super fun. Um, and that's something that Philip and I are really good and, and we help each other out. And uh, that was super fun to meet his horses and see what was going on. And then we did a little touristy stuff on, on Friday. We did some shopping. Philip is, uh, is very patient. He's very well trained with the ladies to hang out <laughs> while shopping. I know, I know that's a priority. So, uh, yeah, well, yeah I he like to look around, of, you know, yeah, it was fun. It, yeah, you were, it was great. And there's, Philip lives in a really beautiful or close to a really beautiful town and has really fun shops and really unique stuff. So, uh, Ann and I, of course, had a great time shopping. And, uh, then we met up with Meredith on Friday and had a wonderful dinner and then went out, did a little dancing. Not gonna lie, we had a big time. A good time. Yeah, and, a good time. Uh, yeah, then headed to the venue on Saturday morning. And um, so I thought it was cold in Canada all the time. No. It was like <laughs> one day of summer on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. It was so hot. Um, but I, I thought the venue did, I mean, after kind of living through the games, uh, the World Equestrian Games here in Lexington and sort of knowing a little bit about, a very small bit about the behind the scenes, uh, they had some challenges with the parking, but really they, they kept it moving pretty pretty well i thought yeah um i mean i have to say uh, throughout the entire games not just this the equestrian venue but i've heard nothing but great things about toronto and the transport i thought it was good i personally thought it was going to be a mess because yeah. we're just not used to the volume of people but it's been running really well and really yeah. smoothly and for sure the equestrian venue we went to the parking they shuttled us over to the venue smooth as smooth as silk it was yeah. i mean really Awesome job, you know. So kudos. And getting to, us back, yeah, getting, us, getting back, us back. Getting us back to our car, and then uh, and then away we went out of the venue every day, you know, within fifteen twenty minutes. Like it was, it was awesome. And I don't want to put Lexington down, but it was better than better job than they did. Oh yeah, no less I think people. I think there's more people. At, yeah, at, there were more people, but no, I agree. It was very, very well done, smooth, smooth. Yeah. and and the venue was lovely. I mean, I I really liked the venue. Uh, you know, again, it, it's always a challenge when you go there. I mean, there was a food line the first day. I don't know. We we ended up only going on Saturday because uh, it's such a long drive home. It's nine hours back here. So, um, but the competition was really quite good. We got we got there in time to see Chris Van Martels and his uh, pre Saint George, and he really thumb thumbs up to Chris. He did a fantastic job the whole. I is what I, I read the whole time. The whole um, show, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. He had a, I was I was there all three days and and his freestyle, I mean I I put it up on uh, on our Facebook page, and you can watch it. it was beautiful. unbelievable, unbelievable. I have to say I'm so proud of the Canadians because uh, I think all the horses peaked at that competition. They did a great yes. job preparing them, and you know they just rocked it. You know they did. They really was, did. You know going into it, I was a little pessimistic because we know these uh, the U.S. riders are tough and. 
and and the, and they ride amazing as well. But we were right in there, right up with them. You know, I, I think I think we did an awesome job, and and the riders that represented our country did a, a fantastic fantastic rides. Absolutely, you know, I've seen I mean, these I was, horses I before. Was I saw I saw you know in the lead up to the games at some of the competitions, and and you know they stepped up to the competition and they they rode their best and the horses looked awesome and. I'm just really, really proud to be to be Canadian and to hang in there with 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 the U.S. riders. Was, was Absolutely, great. they were fantastic. I really, really, truly. I mean, I, the Americans were were good. Um, I saw on Saturday, Stefan had a beautiful Grand Prix. Stefan Peters, beautiful Grand Prix. Uh, Laura Graves had a very, also very, very strong Grand Prix. One mistake in the one, she rode something like 13 ones instead of 15 ones, but okay, um, you know, can, can happen. Uh, yeah. And then. Um, Kim Herslow oh, had a yeah. good a good pre St. George. I've seen him be a little better. I think she ended up having a fantastic intermediate one, uh, which was yeah. good. That yeah, kind of clinched, clinched then, the goal. Unfortunately, her freestyle did not go that well. I mean, she had some some real mistakes. I, I couldn't figure out what was going on, but um, you know, too bad for Kim. We love her, and and yeah, she's fantastic. You know, team team gold is awesome. You know, team very very good, awesome. and and. And that was what the, I mean. Really, that's what the Canadians were fighting for, and and they really put. I mean, it was it was close. I think it was only it was four so points close. or something yeah. um, on Saturday when we left. Yeah. Very very yeah. close. You know, we did a great job. Um, Stefan actually had some mistakes in the in the Grand Prix special on uh, on Sunday. Um, Legolas just didn't look like he was on his game. I don't know but what it was. Back, you know? Yeah, Monday, but he came yeah. back for the freestyle and rocked it. Obviously. Um, but I think, you know, if I'm going to complain about the games a little bit, I think they, I was, I was hoping they were going to combine at least two of the days of scores to make the individual champion, but you know, they didn't, it was just based on the freestyle score, which Mm -hmm. I don't really necessarily agree with Mm -hmm. because I think, you know, if you're going to claim individual gold, my opinion is that you have to ride a technical test and combine it with a freestyle test and, and that, that for me is an individual champion. Somebody who can show up for all three days or at least two of the days and, and really ride. I know they do the I know for the World Cup that they do the freestyle as a champion and I think that's that's the World Cup, something completely different. But I think for a major games what what do you think about that, Reese? Uh, yeah, I mean I, I actually I, I feel the same way. And you know, we have the young rider championships going on here this week and it's the same way for the young riders. You know, they pin the individual and the freestyle separately, and I was of the age uh, to be individual to be the champion of the young riders. And this is because I haven't done the Pan Am Games, but the young riders, you had to win all three days. I mean, you had to show up all three days for the individual championship. And yeah, I wish they would do a combined score. I agree. I, I just think you know. I know now it's you know, everybody can have one good day. That's why I yeah. think everybody can have one, and especially freestyles. You know, because some some riders are very good freestyle riders. Yes, you know, and they have a little bit of an edge there, and and the you know, and some are not, and some and some people are really good technical uh, test riders, not so great at the freestyle, but I think a, a combined score gives you the real true champions. Totally agree. But I, I'm with okay, you. No, I, if anyone's yeah. listening that that wants to think about it or yeah, let us know, know what you guys think. We, you know, yeah. but I think that's not necessarily. You know, fair, but yeah, I whatever. Mean, you know, whatever. Canadian, and, you know, not, I think our Canadians show the they, best. <laughs> What's that? They haven't asked us about it. <laughs> they, oh, just asked us, so, okay. Yeah, <laughs> but it really but, was. 
just a super, super fun time. Like we had a great time and it was really hot at the venue, really hot. Um, but I mean, that, we were glad was, for the it, ice cream. Yes. Oh my God. We had an ice cream about three o'clock. It saved our life. I think it was so good. And then we went back and oh my gosh, I had never really been to Tim Hortons. I went one other time when we went for Philip's wedding. I think Tim Hortons saved our life multiple times on Saturday. I'm just saying in the morning with coffee, coffee and the hot days is all about the frozen coffee. It's really, oh my gosh, Philip stopped and we got that frozen coffee situation. Oh my God. What was it? A cap of mochaccino? I don't know. What did you order? Ice cappuccino. It's like a Slurpee. Oh, if anybody could go to Tim Hortons and get one of those on a hot day, do it. It was so good. I don't even know the caloric count. I don't even want to know. Oh, you don't need to know. Yeah. So good. Cream and coffee and ice. (laughs) It was delicious. It was so good. So if you ever are in Canada or close, we have Tim Hortons in the U.S., go to Tim Hortons. It's so good and get their ice cappuccino. It's been delicious. But it was. It was so fun. And it was great to see, you know, the one thing I didn't really think about is there is a huge disparity between sort of some of the South American countries and, and, and Canada and the United States. Uh, but man, they were out there. They were loving it. They were so proud to be tons of really, really nice rides. Yeah. You know, there there were some very good ones. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, good for them. I think Brazil was the uh, bronze medalist. Yep. After Canada, and, I was going to uh, ask you: Was there a country that you went, "Oh, they're surprising me"? Was there a country that really surprised you? Well, Lou Denizar, who's been on the show yeah, before, yeah. he did great. Uh, he was close to seventy in the pre St. George, I think seventy in Intermediate One. Very, very good, and uh, was super fun yeah. to. And to a see. friend, and a friend of uh, a friend of mine, um, Esther Mortimer, who rides for Guatemala. Did a really beautiful job in in all three tests and had a really consistent riding and 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 looked looked very good, very good in the competition. So I can't remember what you know, and I wish I could remember what where she ended up, you know, in the individual. But uh, I really liked how her horse was going and and the riding that was going on. And you know, there was a few um, you know individuals here and there that you that made you sit up in your seat and say, oh, this you know this looks good. You know, some good riding. You know, throughout. So hopefully. You know, all throughout the Pan Americas, you know, um, dressage could, continues to gain its popularity, and we get more riders and and more representation from our part of the world in the Olympics because it it really sucks that there's only, you know, one one team can qualify, you know, for the Olympics through Pan Ams now, where we used to have two, and maybe we'll have somebody on that can explain that whole situation to me, but I just do not get it. Well, I gotta you know, say that the, about, the United States gang had to be really happy that they got their qualifier. Yes, congrats, <laughs> yes, yeah, big congratulations. You know, they yes, can send their big congratulations. Teammates. But I agree. I mean, there after after the performance was fantastic, and and they really should. There's no reason there shouldn't be the a level Canadian of riding. You know, uh, is, is 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 good. You know, and Canada deserves a spot, but. Now we have to fight, you know, we can still qualify riders as individuals and if we qualify three individuals, they will they will comprise the Canadian team at the Olympics, but it's going to be a lot harder to do now. And uh, yeah. So, there's my gripe. And 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 just before we get off of the Pan Ams topic topic, you know, um somebody said I was being really down on Toronto in in our last show and um I have to apologize for that. I love Toronto. There's lots of great stuff going on in Toronto. I thought that the traffic situation was going to be a nightmare, and they've handled it 
really awesome. So I take back everything that I said. <laughs> and, uh, if you're coming, if you're going to be in Canada soon, even during the Pan Ams, go to Toronto. You, you can check out the shopping is awesome. The nightlife is unbelievable. The entertainment district and and everything's a little bit more centralized than in the, in a bigger city like New York or um, Chicago or whatever. You can get you know you can get, as long as you can get in and out of downtown, it's it's the best. It's a clean, safe city. I've never been you know I've been down there uh, two three in the morning and never had to worry about walking around and and feeling feeling scared or anything. So it's a wonderful city. It's beautiful. Check it out. And one quick question for you. I know we have a guest we have to get to. Um, it, any of those venues, what's going to be used for the World Equestrian Games, or that's a completely separate place? No. You're going to have to drive nine hours, so um, between Toronto and, and uh, even more, maybe 10 or 11. Oh, was that to right? To get to okay. the uh, venue, yeah, for um, for World Equestrian Games. So Got it. we're going to have two awesome venues to, to compete at in, in Canada. You know, everybody coming up for our CDIs, we're, we're going to be all set for it soon. So we got a little bit more news because the, oh, okay. uh, and I got a little bit more Canada love because the North American Young Rider and Junior Rider Championships is going on right now, and uh, our Canadian one of our Canadian teams has won Junior Gold, so we're wow super proud of them. Yeah, yeah. I saw awesome. the picture of them all jumping up and down. Uh, it was yeah. really cute. Yeah, I posted that to our uh, <laughs> to our cute. page. Yeah, and uh, California has won uh, Young Rider. Gold and Canada won bronze in that. So um, Region 7 of uh, of the America has won the Young Rider Gold. So congratulations. Next up, we have Christy Newherniak, who's going to talk to us about dressage scribing. And uh, we'll get to it right after this commercial. Wouldn't it be wonderful if your horse could enjoy a zone of repellency from pesky flies? Well, he can with EcoVet. EcoVet is an entirely new type of fly repellent that is safe for horses and those applying it, offering a real alternative to toxic pesticides like pyrethrins. EcoVet confuses an insect's normal directional ability, the bug's GPS, if you will. So if it can't locate your horse, it can't bite your horse. Dr. Wendy Ying from the Driving Radio Show has been using it in South Florida, also known as the Jurassic Park of biting insects, and she just loves it. EcoVet's active ingredients are naturally occurring food-grade fatty acids that have been clinically shown to improve the condition of horses with difficult-to-treat sweet itch problems. EcoVet is effective on mosquitoes, ticks, noceums, as well as flies. You can visit EcoVet online at eco-vet.com for more information or to order. You can find EcoVet at Dover Saddlery Stores and EcoVets on Facebook. Just search EcoVet, E-C-O-V-E-T. Well, today we are joined by Christy Naherniak, who uh, was just described at the Pan American Games and uh, wants to tell us all about her experience. Hi, Christy. Hi, how are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. Thanks for coming on today to talk to us. No problem. Well, we thought we'd just start out with, um, you know, the simple explanation of what is a scribe and what do they do? Well, a scribe is a person who sits with the judge at the uh, signed letter around the inside of the dressage ring that allows the judge to focus the entire time of a person's ride on what's actually happening in the ring and uh, narrates comments as well as scores for each of the uh, movements seen in the test 
and the scribe's job is to write those down. Well, Christy, why don't you tell us how you got into scribing and what motivated you uh, into that job? Well, um, I guess the easiest answer is to say that uh, I bought a young horse and uh, we weren't really ready to enter the competition ring ourselves, but I still wanted to enjoy the experience of being a dressage enthusiast and um, go out to the shows and watch my friends and support um, them as they were showing. And uh, so scribing is an excellent way of doing that. First of all, it's an excellent way to be educated about dressage because you get to see a number of different tests, a number of different riders from representing the, the whole scale of wonderful to not so wonderful. And you get to spend your whole day with a judge. So obviously there's a, an opportunity for education there. And... Um, you get to uh, support your sport because dressage shows can't run without volunteers. It's a volunteer position, and it's a volunteer position that pays you back twofold because of the educational component. And um, really all you need to do is, uh, in my experience anyway, to be a great scribe is uh, having had some um, knowledge about dressage, preferably written the test, even if they're just the lower level ones, because then you have a great idea about the pacing and you acquire a great vocabulary for some of the comments that judges are likely to give you and you can create acronyms and that sort of thing. And you get a front row seat for what are sometimes spectacular rides that uh, you may not otherwise have been able to see from such a wonderful vantage point. So um, that's essentially how I got into it. And even though I have a competition horse now, I still try and make the time to uh, volunteer and scribe when I can because of the, the, the educational experience that I think it gives me as a rider and uh, because it's supporting the sport. Well, I just love it is scribing is is really fun and it is fun from uh, even a, it doesn't have to necessarily be the Pan Am Games or the Young Rider Championships. It's such a great experience to go and sit in there and you learn so much. It is so worth your time. So I love that you said at a young horse, maybe you weren't showing that horse at the time. Um, and I think a lot of people are super intimidated about, you know, starting to scribe. So how did you sort of you know, how, how would you tell people to get over kind of that intimidation factor and go and do it? How would you kind of encourage someone to do that? Well, I don't think anyone is thinking that it's the best idea in the world that you start out at the Pan Am Games. <laughs> um, I think they're, they're <laughs> right, for obvious reasons. Um, however, there are local shows um, probably around the corner from where your horse is boarded or where you live that are looking for someone to come and, and donate a few hours on a Saturday or a Sunday uh, and do a few training level, first level, second level tests. And um, I think if you start there, most judges are so accommodating. They're so happy to host you. They're so thankful that you are allowing them the opportunity to watch the rider and not have to worry about writing, um, that they're that they will do everything in their power to make you feel comfortable. And um, it's a great relationship that you can foster with that person, even for the, just those few hours. But quite often, judges will um, remember you if you did a really good job. And um, you can increase your scribing opportunities that way because they might request you in the future. Um, but certainly, if you're just doing it at the local level, everyone anticipates that you have to, um, you know, start somewhere. No one is 
without mistakes, certainly not me. We, we made mistakes in the box and at the Pan Ams because for whatever reason you don't hear or you miss hear or you're a movement behind, these things happen. And um, these are professional people and um, they will absolutely do everything in their power to assist you to make sure that it is a great experience for both of you. So the intimidation, I think, is um, is completely out of the window. As soon as you've been in there for 10 minutes, it happens very quickly that you get a good flow. And um, like I said, if you're a rider in any way, shape, or form, and you've walk, you know, if you've ridden walk, trot, canter, you can do it. And um, certainly, the judge is going to be there to help you. So, Christy, how would you tell people, um, you know, to you, you said multiple times, like how you want to be good for for the judge. So, how do you would you tell people to go into the box and be ready for that day and be ready to be a good scribe? How do you how are you a good scribe? Well, first of all, if the first ride time of the day is eight a.m., um, you're there at seven thirty, and the first thing that you're going to want to do is get a copy of the day sheets. So the day sheets are essentially the schedule for the day. Um, in what order are the tests being written and in what um, wider order are they coming into the ring in front of you? And then what I like to do is go through the package, which will be provided for you by show staff. Um, sometimes the tests are pre-labeled in order if you're really lucky and you have a really organized group of people. Sometimes <laughs> you're going to have to write the information at the top of the test um, as each wider comes in. Um, but I'm, I look to make sure that, A, I have all the tests that I need in the package that um, relate to my day sheet. So if it says I have 25 training level rides, I'm going to make sure I have 25 training level tests in my package and that if it's training level test one, it's 25 training level test one. So that's the first way that you can eliminate a lot of problems once you're out in the judge's box right off the top making sure you have the schedule and you have enough tests for the day. Sometimes it's going to work out for all kinds of reasons that are way beyond your control that you're going to need a test or you need a different test. And at that point, you know, having a good relationship with show management is kind of helpful. But for the most part, um, if you problem solve that at the beginning of the day by showing up a little early, you can avoid most issues that are going to arise. Um, I like to make sure that I have um, the materials I'm likely to need. For example, I, ha I have a preferred pen type that I like to use because it works well in all kinds of weather, which becomes important because depending on the arrangement for where the judge and the scribe are going to sit, sometimes you're in a booth, you're very fortunate. Sometimes you might be in a car. Sometimes you might be at a table underneath an umbrella. It's really going to depend on the type of show that you've volunteered your time for. So um, I like to make sure that I have um, a pen that's going to work because sometimes ballpoint pens aren't that reliable. And the last thing you want in the middle of a test is for your pen to not work because that's going to be difficult to problem solve. So I try to think of those things in advance, um, making sure that um, you have all the information from show staff that you need about even the simplistic things. When are the breaks? When is the ring being harrowed? Where am I supposed to go um, to use the washroom or direct my judge to use the washroom? 
or direct my judge um, for lunch, if lunch is being provided, where are we supposed to go? Get that information from show staff. And it puts show staff in a much better position when they know that you're there and that you've taken over that, that job, that role for them, because quite often there's a lot of things going on in the morning when you arrive at a show. And so having a, a someone who's aware of the sorts of things that can be done to problem solve ahead of time is always very much appreciated. Um, and then, of course, lastly, that you um, you know what to do if there is any kind of um, emergency. So what is the protocol? Should there be a rider follow-up? Well, Chrissy, we were really excited to, uh, to have you on tonight because you did the scribing at the Pan American Games. So, uh, so would you like to tell us about that experience, who, who you were scribing for and what a great opportunity it was? Um, yeah, it was a fantastic uh, learning opportunity on multiple levels. I have never done anything like this at a major game. And I was um, really fortunate that uh, JT and Barb, who organized the dressage portion of the Pan American Games at uh, Kaladin, um, who asked me if I would be interested in um, participating in this capacity. I sat at three different letters, um, which was a great opportunity because you get to see different vantage points um, of the ring. But the entire time I worked with the same team of um, East Grive and Judge uh, from Denmark, Hans Christian Matthiessen, who was um, a fantastically wonderful individual who'd never been to Canada and was enthralled by the whole process, as were um, the rest of us. It's very exciting. The atmosphere was... um, electric. We saw some fantastic riding. And um, really, at at the end of the day, a a once-in-a-lifetime experience to see, um, you know, people ride personal best, people who, um, you know, were just clearly happy that they were able to participate in um, a competition like this one um, from countries that perhaps don't have the opportunity to be exposed to high um, level competitions as often perhaps as some of our Canadian and American riders do. And uh, really, it was, um, it, was, it was fantastic. And uh, just happy that um, it, the event run, run so, ran so well, excuse me, and uh, the spectators really seemed to enjoy it. And for all intents and purposes, I think it ran uh, really well. Um, from our perspective, um, in the judges' booth, it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, from a spectator's point of view, we had an awesome time, and and the organiz- it couldn't be it couldn't have been organized better. We really, really enjoyed our time. Just you know, one more question for you, Christy. What was it like to be mm-hmm. putting down those high scores for our Canadian riders when you're in that booth <laughs> and, and you're 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 putting down eights and nines and maybe a couple extra tens for us there? Um. Thrilling, honestly. Yeah. Thrilling, thrilled, thrilled for them, um, and a really feeling as though you're you're a part of someone's once in a lifetime moment. There's really nothing that can describe that. But also so proud of how far dressage in Canada has come in such a short period of time that we were able to put people um, on a field of play at a major games, and they were able to go out there and ride their personal best and nearly cracked 80%. I mean, how exciting is that for everyone? How great is that for the sport? You know, so I think that it also was very eye-opening for Hans, uh, the judge that I was working with, who has um, pretty exclusive experience 
as I said, in Europe, doing big European shows. He's never been to North America. And I think, wow, we really brought it. And hopefully he'll go home and tell, you know, everyone what a wonderful job we did organizing, what a wonderful job we did riding. And, um, you know, that the, the caliber of sport here is absolutely going in the right direction. Fantastic. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us and, and telling us all about scribing and educating our listeners for us. And, and uh, we really appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for having me. Well, that was an excellent description on what happened at the Pan Am Games. Uh, and we thank Christy for sharing your experience. And I really would encourage everyone, if you can, scribe or sit in the judge's booth. Uh, you learn so much. And it's probably one of the, I think it's the best volunteer job. And, because and, and show love. organizers appreciate you so yes. much. You'll get so much love. Yeah, you know, so and much probably love. A free, and, and a free lunch. And, and uh, a shirt t-shirt. <laughs> and shade. Yeah, you get shade. shade. Yeah, you'll be the no, only really one shaded is. in the whole place. It, it, you learn so much by sitting in there. I mean, just certain things of like how tack looks or, you know, why you ride the circles the way they ride. And I mean, just yeah, you learn so perspective much. of a judge, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. really worth your time to do it. So thank you to Christy for coming on the show. And now next we have the total saddle fit tip of the week from Jennifer Roth. She is an FEI rider, trainer, competitor uh, from Ohio. She's going to come on the show this evening. Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The Saddle Fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, it is my pleasure this evening for the Total Saddle Fit Tip Trainer Tip of the Week to have Jennifer Roth. She is an FEI um, bronze, silver, and gold medalist. She is the IDA uh, team coach for Otterbine, and uh, we've been friends uh, for a long time. We were just off air. We were talking about how long, and Jen, it's been a long time. So welcome to the show tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you have a great tip. We were just talking about, you know, what are some pet peeves of yours? And you had, you came up with a great tip with that. So uh, start us off. Okay. Well, probably my pet peeve is people not going forward enough. Um, you know, I oftentimes have to reiterate that collection is not slow. Um, I'm always coaching my students to go forward. But when I describe forward, I always make sure to mention that forward isn't a mile per hour. You know, if you were clocked by a police officer, it's not, say, 13 miles an hour in the trot or the canter or whatever, but forward is an idea. It's a feeling that if you asked for more, close your leg on the horse, 
you know, it would offer to go more without having to beg or plead anything like that. But it's just, you know, it's the idea that if I put more leg on, my horse would go. And yeah, it's just, it's an idea. It's a feeling, not necessarily just sheer speed. Yeah. And I think that that can be very confusing um, because I think a lot of times, you know, people, you know, are, are have, let's say fear of going forward. Some of my students are actually nervous about asking their horse to go forward. So what are some tips that you can give someone who's actually a little bit fearful about having their horse sort of going forward? Um, I like, I like to tell people that are maybe a little bit apprehensive about, you know, going just fast to use transitions. You know, transitions within a gate. You know, if you're working on maybe going a little bit more forward in the canter, you know, push for on a circle, a couple strides of lengthening, and then bring it back. So you start, you know, feeling that you can ask your horse in a safe manner, you know, on a curved line where you have a little bit more control, you know, to go a little forward, come a little back. Make sure that when you ask, you know, you do it over a stride or two. Don't make it short and sharp, you know, in the event that your horse is a little bit sensitive to the leg. Or if it's not sensitive to the leg, then you can make it a little sharper and to get a better reaction from the horse. But again, just transitions within gates, transitions between gates, you know, the quick to leg exercise of, you know, walk a step trot, trot walk transitions, halt trot transitions, you know, just anything that gets that a notion across to the horse and to the rider that when you put your leg on, it means business. And that, you know, I always often say there's no begging in dressage. You know, the worst thing you can do is nag your horse to death every single stride. You know, nobody likes to be kicking around the ring. It's exhausting and it's annoying both to instructors and to horses, I'm sure, as well. <laughs> when you talk to talk about making a horse sharp to your aids, what do you mean by that? Um, not fearful of the aids, you know, not fearful of the leg or the spur or the seat, but just, you know, getting a reaction, feeling like that the moment you put your, you know, your leg on or you give a little bit of a tickle with the whip, that the horse, you know, is responsive immediately, not six strides later, not next week. But, you know, now, you know, in, in dressage tests, you know, once you're, you know, past intro or training level, the transitions start happening at letters, you know. So you have to make sure that your horse is on your aid to get a transition at a letter in a test situation. You know, at home, we can make an extra circle to regroup and come do it again. Oftentimes where people start to have a little bit of difficulty in the test is they don't school at home making transitions you know, right when it happens. So the horse has to be, you know, sharp to the aid to make sure that you get it when you ask for it, when you need it. I've got a little tip for you guys as instructors. Love it. About what I tell, what I tell my students. I tell them if they're yes, not willing please. to get their horse to go forward, I can do it with a lunge whip. <laughs> you would be surprised how quickly those riders start to react. Um, that might scare some <laughs> of mine. Always, into you, you can submission. do it. You have a choice. You can do it or I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, that's you're nice trainers, Philip, and you're not. Yes. <laughs> well, it's true. And honestly, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I've had to do that a, a few times and, and go out there with a, a stick and just kind of um, encourage, maybe not even, uh, maybe not even uh, uh, tapping, but just kind of encouraging uh, some of my. I like to use the word inspire. I like inspire. to inspire them to go forward. Inspire. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love it. <laughs> but there is some, some level of, uh, that makes sense. Uh, you know, there's at times, a lot of times if, if the horse just goes forward, uh, a lot of things are better. Um, so I can see Philip, how, um, you are actually a very, very good teacher. We're, we're teasing you, uh, and very patient, but you've got a point there. Uh, and, and, um, so that makes sense completely. Um, I like that. Well, well, my real tip is that if you have a rider that's not so confident 
you know, to send the horse for that you can actually put them on the lunge line and mm-hmm. sort of help and show them what you mean. And and the lunge line can give the rider a little bit of feel of security, like, oh, my, my trainer's attached to the horse, so I don't have to worry so much, right? So, that, you know, that can be a little bit of a confidence a confidence thing. And then when they get really confident on the on the lunge and the horse is responding to them and you, you can help them and and then they can get off the lunge line and 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 not not feel so not so feel so afraid. You know, sometimes yeah. it's not it's not afraid, it's not fear, it's just apprehension sort of Absolutely. thing. So you know, I think that's the basis of dressage is, you know, getting getting the horse reactive to your aids and showing some energy, you know. I like to describe forward, you know, what we're talking about here as just energy. The horse has to make every stride uh, an athletic one and, and an athletic stride is an, an energetic one. The horse has to pick up the hoof and place it way in front of where it, it would normally if it was walking around in the field. It's it's a sport. Horse has to be doing a job. So let, let's get at it, right? Absolutely. I guess that's yeah. my that's my five. That's my two cents about it, but uh, <laughs> there's different ways. That. There's different ways to to be creative about about helping apprehensive riders. Is, I, I guess that was my point. No, yeah, like, no, oh, nobody that's... survived <laughs> an upper level test going slow, <laughs> or they barely did. <laughs> there's, no, that's not I'm... any fun to be in there any longer than you have to. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> so true, actually. Well, and Jen, I, lo- I loved how you talked about um, riding movement at my, you know, riding movements at letters. I think that that's really important, and that's the difference between really riding a test and riding at home. When you can go and circle around and do it again, um, I think at some point you have to say, "Okay, I am going to do, let's say, this transition at A and do it at A." I think a lot of this in a test situation or because there's pressure and you, and you really have to train for that pressure. So if you need to be forward and do a transition at that letter, uh, you'll be prepared for that. So, uh, I just, I liked that tip and I wanted to kind of add on that as well. That was a really good way to do it. Yeah. And at home, you know, if you do start putting pressure on yourself to say, do that transition at a, and it doesn't go so well, it also teaches you how to fix it in a test situation. You know, cause we've all had transitions that you asked for and maybe, you know, it, the horse got a little hollow or got a little behind the leg, you know, and if you don't have practice dealing with those situations at home and figuring it out, you're going to be at a loss in a test situation for sure. So it's learning how to ride you to ride the horse you have in the moment, um, in a test, you know, practice that stuff at home. If the transition doesn't go so well, oh, well, learn how to fix it. Learn how to address that right now so that when or if that happens at a show, you're better prepared to fix it within a half a stride or a stride instead of taking, you know, have the test to regroup. I think I think that's a good point, and you can put it put it towards this forward idea as well, and just say, well, if I know my if I have a bit of a lazy horse that's a little behind the leg, and I take him to the show, and he is a lazy horse, and he's behind the leg. Well, at home, I have to be practicing being not just forward enough for the test, but probably a little extra forward. So if mm-hmm. if he takes a little back from you, you know, when you're on the show day. That it's everything's going to be fine, right? It's just preparing for and knowing what what to expect a little bit. And so, if you're expecting slow and you've been practicing, you know, maybe a little extra speedy, a little fast, then you know, then you have some room to play with. But if you've, but if you're at home and you know you've got a slow horse and you're just getting to, you know, sort of an okay trot or an okay canter, you're probably not going to have that canter when you when you get into a test situation, and you're probably not going to be confident enough to really fix it and ride it. So 
And, you know, and just like the other way around, if you have a really speedy horse very fast, it's okay for the horse to be a little slow at home and to be practicing that way. So that when you get in the test and the horse gets a little nervous and the rider gets a little nervous, you, you've already you've already had that in the plan. You've already compensated for it, and you're going to be fine. Absolutely. So know your horse, right? Know your horse. Know what you have to get done, and uh, be practicing for worst case scenario every day. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. And and this sort of all circles back around to is your horse in forward? Are they in front of your leg? Is the horse running? You know, I think the the idea that being forward is a state of mind, I think is so important uh, for all riders. So, and I love that way. So one last question for you, Jennifer. Um, talk to us about um, working toward a lengthening. This happens and you are, you're going for your small R judging license. So fingers crossed and good luck with that. But what, what do you tell people? A lot, of, a lot of times I hear riders, you know, they say, well, I can't go forward in the lengthening because my horse is just going to run. Can you just address that a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the two things I really talk to people about when they're either themselves learning to first do a lengthening or their horses are first do, learning to do a lengthening, I talk about, you know, the corner and the preparation in the corner. You know, you have to kind of condense and coil all that energy, hopefully that forward energy that you've developed by having your horse, you know, going of its own volition, um, coiling that energy, rocking it back, and the importance of not only continuing to ride the quality of the trot in the lengthening, a lot of people hit the diagonal whether they prepared for it or not and just gun it. You know, and the horse, you know, there's no sort of suppling, there's no sort of half halt, there's no sort of focus on straightness. You know, they just gun it. So I always remind people, you're still trotting. So you still have to ride the quality of the trot. Um, so don't just do nothing and kick and think that that's going to work out for you because it, it isn't. I can I can test that. Um, but coil the energy in the corner. Come through the turn straight. If your horse isn't straight, it's not going to take even strides behind. You know, if it's over flexed to the left or to the right, you know, you're going to have a shorter stride on that side. So make sure that the horse is absolutely straight. Um and then don't push them past their balance. You know, feel, because that's when you're going to have a break in rhythm or a break in gait. You know, you're going to push them to the point where they can no longer balance, and they're just going to run downhill, and then something icky is going to happen. Um, so really thinking about coiling the energy, keeping them on their hind legs. You know, you're going for a longer length of stride, not faster. So you have to keep the weight balanced more on the hind leg. And then when bringing back from a lengthening, I like to tell people, use the barrier of the ring. Too many people finish you know, they're lengthening and they just haul backwards on the horse. The horse slows his hind legs down and then it's this braced, tight-looking transition. Whenever I go across a diagonal, whether it be a lengthening medium or an extension, I use the boundary of the ring, the natural, you know, visual boundary for the horse to already start to be bringing that horse back. And remember, downward transitions require more leg than upward transitions. And I know that seems a little counterintuitive, but when you're asking for a shift in balance, you know, it's like a plane landing. You know, you have to land hind end first and then come down on the nose. You have to be thinking about, you know, adding legs so that when the horse does shift in balance, you know, it rocks back onto its butt, not just dumps onto its face. So don't just pull back on the reins. You have to close your legs so the horse can step more under to reshift its balance to slow back down into the working or collective gait. Well, that's a fantastic tip. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on uh, the air tonight. How do our listeners find you online? 
Um, yeah, you can email me, of course. Uh, my email address is dressagerider7, that's numeral 7, at AOL.com. Um, you can also find me on Facebook, which I'm sad to admit I'm overly active on. Um, I'm Jennifer R. Ross on Facebook. There is another Jennifer Ross. She is an S judge. I am not that person. I'm just a lowly, small R candidate. Um, but my Facebook is Jennifer R. Ross. Um, you can look me up there. Um, and also, I have a Facebook page, uh, Milestone Farms LLC. So you're welcome to find that as well. I would give you my website address, but I am ashamed to say I'm technologically illiterate. So I have not updated my <laughs> website in probably about two years, and that's a little embarrassing, so I'm not going to direct anybody there. Nobody <laughs> wants to see that mess. That's okay. We can find you other ways. Well, Jennifer, thanks so much for your time, and we look forward to having you on. Um, once you get your small R candidacy, congratulations on that, and we wish you luck. Thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate you thinking of me tonight. Please remember, we were talking at the top of the show, um, we love emails and Facebook shout outs. We love it when we hear from our listeners. So keep it up. You guys do a wonderful job and we really, really appreciate it. So uh, please keep, keep that going. And you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and, and email me at philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. 